Hello, welcome to my Camino the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. It was really neat for me to be on this traditionally religious pilgrimage and to really appreciate that history of this long religious spiritual path. That voice you just heard is Trinity Om, and we'll get to Trinity in just a moment. But first, this is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. The Camino is a pilgrimage. People like you and me have walked the Camino for thousands of years. The story goes that the bones of St. James, who was one of Christ's apostles, are interred in a crypt beneath the cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela. People from all around the world walk to the cathedral as a pilgrimage, a form of dedication on foot. You might one day find yourself wandering the old city, the cobbled stone streets, the bars and cafes, meeting and greeting pilgrims as they wander wide-eyed into the cathedral square. On the way there, you've become a friend to strangers, a carer, a listener, a shoulder to cry on. You might one day find yourself walking the Meseta, the middle third of the Camino Francaise, the endless wheat fields, horizons of sunflowers greeting enormous blue skies that provide a canopy of wonder as you stamp out 50,000 steps in a day. The Meseta is a plateau between the cities of Burgos and Leon, and I can still hear the crunching of gravel beneath my feet. I remember walking under that chrome archway as a high-speed train whooshed past me. They were in a hurry. But me, I was on a step-by-step pilgrimage to the bones of a saint. Towns like Sahun and Carrion de los Condes. Cold beer, French fries. Pilgrims giving one another massages at the end of a long day. People tending to their feet, sitting in the sun in albergue courtyards. Or you might one day find yourself climbing to O Sobrero, watching as the mist envelops the town, and you feel you could be anywhere but Spain. The town's thatched roofs signal a culture of preparedness, a sign these people are prepared to live with what the earth brings to them. The pilgrims come and go, and so do the seasons. You might walk slightly off track to visit the Benedictine Monastery in Samos, sleep beneath the monastery in the Donativo Albergue, festooned with medieval paintings. Tour the monastery to see the magnificent murals in the corridors. The gardens, too, are absolutely beautiful. It's the little things that mean the most on the Camino. The moments in time that you forget so easily yet mean so much. It's why many pilgrims write a journal to try to remember every moment, keeping track in the map of your mind. Somewhere along the way, you'll ask yourself why you're walking, and answers will vary, and you may not discover the answer until much later. But keep questioning, keep seeking, keep trying to find what you're looking for. My friends, Linny and Carl, sent me a quote this week from Bruce Lee. From now on, drop all your burden of preconceived conclusions behind and open yourself to everything and everyone ahead. Remember, my friend, the usefulness of the cup is in its emptiness. My guest this week came onto my radar when I saw a picture of her reliving the closing stages of the film The Way when you see Martin Sheen walking the streets of Morocco. I thought, 
I need to speak to this pilgrim. <laughs> Her name is Trinity Om. She's on the line from Granada. Welcome, pilgrim. Thank you. It's great to be here. You walked the Camino just this last October, and now you've been to Morocco. You're back in Granada, back in Spain. Trinity, do you still consider yourself a pilgrim? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, I do. And this traveling that I'm doing beyond the Camino is just an extension of that. I think once you're a pilgrim, you're always a pilgrim. I think that's right. I think that's right. What prompted you to go to the Camino in the first place? And you might just take us back to how you first learned about it. Tell us your story. It's kind of a long story, but um, I read the Camino by Shirley MacLaine about 15 years ago, and I had never heard of the Camino before. And I just read this book because I liked her, and I was intrigued by that. And it just kind of stuck in my mind, like, what is this thing? What is this pilgrimage? And it just stayed back there. And then when the movie The Way came out, I watched that with my good friend Angel. And we both said, oh, one day that would be really cool to do. And then this past winter on my birthday, I was, um, I was just noticing that I was just kind of fed up with life the way that it is for me, um, for a lot of us, <laughs> actually. And I wanted to get out of the U.S. for a while and travel extensively. And I started looking at maps and wondering, where am I going to go? I can go anywhere. What do I want to do and how do I want to do this? And I knew I wanted to go solo. And I wanted it to be a deep spiritual experience for me, not just go see the sights and look at things and take pictures of it. And so I was kind of looking at the whole world as a possibility. And then I did a trip to um, the Virgin Islands in the spring. And I met this wonderful woman, Suzanne who has been traveling her whole life and had wonderful stories to tell. And she said that she had done the Camino a couple years ago. And I just went, oh, wait a minute, the Camino, that thing I've been thinking about for 15 years. And we started talking about it. And I got back home from that trip and just started looking into the Camino. And I became obsessed with it. Everything was Camino. I was reading blogs. I found your podcast, which is great. Mm-hmm. I was getting into Facebook groups and just every day looking more and more into Camino. And I thought, this is the perfect way to start a months-long solo adventure because it would be supportive. I knew that I would meet some wonderful, beautiful people. And I would kind of get my feet under me, no pun intended, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and become comfortable traveling alone. And that's exactly what happened. And I got to practice my Spanish, which I've been working on. And although it's a religious, traditionally a religious pilgrimage, for me it was just a deeply spiritual one, one that I could find myself more, learn the truth of who I am, and shed day-to-day normal stuff of work and driving cars and Mm. doing laundry and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that's how I started. You know, you, you started by saying that you found yourself in the last winter in the United States feeling a bit meh and you mm-hmm. wanted more. Um, have you been able to distance yourself from that feeling? Have, has it, has it yeah. created a renewal in a sense? So much so, yeah. 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 And, and more and more and more. I, it, it was really funny actually at the beginning because – I wanted to get rid of it. It was like this, uh, it was a job, like get rid of all that eh feeling. Mm. And 
I was walking every day and trying to shed it. And in the trying, it wasn't shedding. But then eventually it just started breaking away from me. And so now I've been gone for almost three months. And yeah, it's gone. It's great. <laughs> it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, but so often, um, and I'm, I'm talking very much from my own perspective as well here, so often we cling to the past because we're frightened of the future. And mm-hmm. in, in clinging to the past, in many respects, it's like a, like a, a rope that holds us back. Were you someone who held on to the past and has the Camino enabled you to kind of let go in a sense? I don't know that I have ever been one to hold on to the past. My, right. my clinging was more to like the future, right. like what's next and what am I going to do and how am I going to make this thing happen? Right. And the, kind of the pressures of that, yeah. of the day-to-day, yeah. And that in itself is a futile kind of ex- endeavor in a way because we can't control the future, can we? Not at all. Not at all. And that's something I really got too, that none of this is under our control. I mean, it feels like it is and we kind of guide it and direct it. Yeah. But life is going to happen. And mm. so the best we can do is to be available to it instead of resisting it or forcing it or, or trying to control it at all but just being available and observe it and be in the present moment. I found myself um, when I walked with a lot of free mind space because obviously if, you, mm. if you're in a, you know, day after day after day after day, walking sometimes four, six, eight hours, you have to think about something. And once you've done your worrying, you know, it's, it's, it's like, okay, now now what am I going to worry about? And then when you run out of things, you think, okay, well, now I can just think, um, which, yeah. is, which is a great luxury in, in many respects. Did you find that sort of same experience? Yeah. 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 Yep. After the initial yeah. time. Yeah. Worrying and where am I going to get to and, yeah. and worrying about stuff at home and yeah. Yeah, and then just letting it go. And so then what did yeah. you think about after that? You know, a lot of it was just uh I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> it's it didn't even feel like thinking. Mm. It sort of felt this is going to sound maybe a little weird, but no. um you know when you're falling asleep at night and you finally let your mind go and you're not quite asleep, but you're not dreaming yet and you're not awake, that kind of that mid-zone? Yeah. That's where it came to be. Like I wasn't I wasn't trying to think about anything anymore, but I was just allowing my thoughts to be whatever. And so much of it was just observing, observing the trees or the crunching of my feet or other pilgrims or the pain of the blisters or the beauty of the sun and just observing what was instead of thinking analytically. I guess that's the thing. The analytical thinking dropped. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's one of the great challenges is when we get home, how, when there's a lot of analytical thinking required, how do we sort of go about it? Um, Now, here you are a month after or a few weeks after finishing your Camino. What do you remember most when you reflect on the Camino? Uh, 
Uh, I guess there's there's like three. Well, there's a bunch of things. <laughs> the connections that I made with people, the friendships that would develop in a heartbeat, and it wasn't conversations about what do you do for a living or anything like that. It was heartfelt, deep conversations. So I remember that, and I'll remember that forever. And I've I've developed some great friendships to continue sharing that with. Yeah, and I saw a pic- um, because I saw a picture mm-hmm. of you with a I saw a picture of you with a very large Camino family in front of the cathedral mm-hmm. uh, in the cathedral mm-hmm. square. Tell us what did you make of the people that you met on the Camino? Well, I had a few different Camino families. It was really great and there were like these different concentric circles and some people knew other people and so forth. And so I started out with one family in Orison, and I think there were 12 or 13 of us, and we all were together for about two weeks and got to know each other. And then we started spreading out and going different paces, and I developed another friendship family, a Camino family. And people from all over the world and all walks of life and all points of view came together and just were loving on each other and supporting each other. And if somebody needed something, somebody had it. It was amazing that at one point, my friend Saul, he got stung in the in the eyelid by a bee. It was terrible. Oh. Yeah, as we were walking. And we were like, oh, my God. And I was I got the bee off of his face. And then some people came by. And we were like, does anybody have any Benadryl? And somebody said, I have some Benadryl. And it just, like, everything just happens. The universe just shows up through the people and hands you exactly what you need in the moment. Did you at any stage feel like you needed more space, that you didn't necessarily want to be around people all the time? Yeah. And could you find find that space? Definitely. I would say that the first third I walked with people off and on, the second third, especially through the Maseta, I walked almost always alone and had a lot of space, which I really, really loved. And then the last third I walked with friends again. And so you can definitely get the space you need, or you can be really social and you get to make it up as you go. And every day, whatever you desire, you'll, you'll be able to find. And given that the Camino is very busy at the moment, uh, you're still able to find space, huh? Lots of space, lots of space. I will say the last few days walking out of Saria, it became very crowded and it was very funny because it seemed like uh, we kept saying that there were so many people. It was like walking through a shopping mall at Christmas which to me was hilarious because prior to that I had tons of space. I could go for an hour and not see another person. And on those last few days, they're everywhere. <laughs> Still, I love those last few days. I love me too. It. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you um, about the Camino itself and your experience. If you can, tell us your favorite place on your Camino in October. Oh my gosh. Um, I think the Meseta was actually my favorite and I didn't expect that. I thought I was, it was going to be really hard and I don't know what, but it was wonderful because I did have this alone time and it's so open out there. It's this vast expanse of space. So yeah, I would say that was actually my favorite place. Tell us about walking into Santiago. Uh, well, there was a group of us that decided to walk in together. And so we had planned to meet up um, probably about 
30 minutes outside of the city um, so that we could walk in together. But we, a bunch of us couldn't find the meeting point. So we're like, well, it'll all work out. And we did find each other, but not at the meeting point. And as we walked in, I think there are maybe 10 of us. And as we walked in, we just all spontaneously let out this woohoo. And people stopped in the plaza and looked at us. <laughs> it felt like it felt like they were greeting us, like ta-da, here they are, which <laughs> it wasn't that, but it was that. And it, we I was crying, my friend Trish was crying. We just had tears pouring down and laughing and hugging. And as, as we got in, we saw other friends who we'd met along the last five weeks of the road. And people were hugging and jumping up and down and laying in the sun and looking up at the cathedral. And that moment made all the time and the blisters and the occasional rain and the hot sun worth it. It all came together in this just, ah, right now, as I tell you, I have tears in my eyes. Yeah. It's just great. That's great. That's great. Now, we've all, well, not all of us, but some people maybe even listening who are thinking of doing the Camino. It's it's a great experience to walk under the arch past the Piper and into the square and yes. peer up at the cathedral and wonder about all those literally millions of people who have walked before you yeah. and who have also gone through this great experience. And it's it's just a wonderful thing to do and a wonderful thing to have done and a wonderful thing to look forward to doing again. But yeah. in, in walking through those little villages on the Masetta and afterward and, and even before Burgos, before you head to the Masetta, you get to enjoy the Spanish culture, the food and the wine. And Tell us about that experience, about your experience with the Spanish culture. Uh, well, the villages are just unbelievable, especially as an American, because we don't have 500, 600-year-old, 1,000-year-old villages. Yeah. And to walk through these cobblestones, these this old architecture, it, it's, it is such a treat to see the history and the people who've been living in these towns for eons. And then to eat the food. And there, you have the pilgrim menus, which can be really good and can be eh, not that great. But then there's so many other options. And as you get into uh, Leon, Burgos and Leon and you have tapas, uh, those are delicious. And the wine is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cheap. I love wine. And to pay a, a, a dollar, or I'm sorry, a euro or two euros for a glass of wine was just wonderful. So there was plenty of wine to be had throughout the Camino. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's so cheap. <laughs> yeah. So in the course of research for the interview, I saw that you're a yoga teacher and you're somebody who practices a lot of um, the spiritual awareness and mindfulness. Um, would you consider yourself religious or spiritual? And I wonder then, which box did you tick when you went to the pilgrim's office to receive uh -huh. your your certificate? Yeah. Um, yes, I'm definitely very spiritual. I, I'm not a religious person, mm. but I have a deep spiritual path, and I checked spiritual yeah. when I went through the office, yeah. And I'll say, too, on that, it was really neat for me to be on this, re again, traditionally religious pilgrimage and to really appreciate that history of this long religious spiritual path 
whether or not it's my own. I just had such a deep appreciation for it. How has the Camino then enhanced or impacted your spiritual thought process, your spirituality in a way? Well, it was definitely a beginning to dropping a lot of old thoughts. Wow. And and it feels, as a yogi, we talk a lot about taking yoga off the mat, meaning you do your practice in the studio or on your own or whatever, on your yoga mat. And then you take what you're gaining, what you're gleaning from your practice, you take it out into the world to be more loving, more compassionate, more conscious. And that's, to me, I kept saying that on the Camino. I said, this is yoga off the mat. And I want to take the Camino off the mat into the world. And that's what I'm doing as I continue to travel. Wow, that's a great answer. Um, I don't know why I've written this question here. I don't remember writing it, but I've, I've written here, what's the best thing about the Camino? <sighs> getting to know yourself. Huh. Getting, to, getting to the depth of who you are. <laughs> yeah, great answer. Yeah. I don't even remember writing yeah. that question. What, <laughs> isn't that funny? What word would you use to describe the Camino and its impact on you? One word? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I can do it in one word. Can I use two words? Yeah. <laughs> spiritual adventure. How does a spiritual adventure differ from a normal adventure? Isn't every adventure a, an escape of the spirit? I think the difference is because there's so much time for me spent looking inward mm. yeah. and really discovering the truth of myself. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much time to do that. Yeah. Which I think on other adventures, you're busy looking and doing and seeing and what's next. And on the Camino, you get up, you put your shoes on and you walk. And that's what you do for 37 or whatever days. And so that alone, that's the spiritual adventure. The rest of it is a physical adventure and challenge. And, but the spiritual adventure is all within. And I just happen to be doing it while I'm walking because there was time and space. Did you like what you learned about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I wonder then if I could take it one step further, Trinity, um, how are you going to use what you've learned um, to empower yourself moving forward. I hate that saying, moving forward, but <laughs> in the days, weeks, months, years ahead. Well, I'll tell you, I've already, um, as I continue to travel, I've already discovered, or maybe not discovered, but revealed, I think is a better word, just how strong and courageous and fearless I am. And I kind of knew that about myself, or I wouldn't have even come out here alone. But I'm taking that, I gleaned so much of that from the Camino and I thought I can do so much and become so much more of who I am. And so now as I continue to travel on and I'll be out here for another, I don't know, five months or so, um, I'm taking that into the world and I'm bringing all that light that you get from the Camino, all that love, and I'm bringing that out into the world as I go. And I feel like if that's all I do for the rest of my traveling or even for the rest of my life, then that will be enough. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. That is so great. I, 
I always do a little bit of homework if I can for people who are thinking of walking and and given the fact that you've only just finished, um, you mentioned that it was really quite busy. Were And finishing in October, were places starting to close up now? Um, not when I finished. Okay. So I've, I've heard that they are now. Yeah. Um, right. but when I, as I completed on October 7th, I believe, mm-hmm. and, uh, things were still very open. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think sort of mid October, they start to wind back. Um, yeah. how heavy was your backpack? <laughs> well, first of all, I did two things. I have a big pack cause I'm traveling for seven months. And so that, I have no idea. It weighed a lot, but I didn't carry it on the Camino. I sent it forward every day, uh-huh. um, which I'm really glad I did. So I just carried a day pack. And I imagine my day pack probably, it wasn't that heavy. might have weighed 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I had a camelback of water in there too, which I highly recommend. It was great to just be sipping water. Yeah, but my yeah. big pack was so big, I had to send a box home from Burgos because I had too much stuff. Right. Okay, so so you you're not sort of a, an atypical pilgrim in a in a sense. You've sort of got a much broader packing because you're you're packing for a much longer trip. But right. Was there something you'd wished you'd packed? Was there something missing from your backpack when you arrived in Burgos? Like when you'd started out, you would think, "Oh, I should have packed that." Um, no, because I think I packed too much. <laughs> there were things I wished I wouldn't have packed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. How far did you walk each day? Um, I averaged probably, uh, I have to remember now, I think I averaged around 23 kilometers a day. Mm. And, um, but that kind of, yeah, that was sort of average. I think the least I did one day was about 18 and the most I did was 30. Did you stay in albergues or pensions or hotels? Did a mix of both. Mm-hmm. I did some albergues, and which was great for the uh, community aspect of it, especially when they offered community dinners. And I also did a lot of private hostel rooms, which was good for me because uh, for me it's really great to get out and talk to people and socialize, but then I like to come back into my own quiet space at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And what was... What was the COVID requirement like? Was it a was it troublesome? Was it difficult? Was it frustrating? Tell us about what you were required to do to adhere to the COVID requirements. Uh, walk, once I was in Spain, it was really quite easy. We we wore masks whenever we would enter inside anywhere. But outside, people were not wearing masks. So when I was walking, I didn't wear a mask. And that had concerned me prior to coming here. I thought, oh, I don't think I want to walk that hard every day wearing a mask. But outside, we didn't wear masks. Inside, we did. And people were really good about it. And you just always have a mask in your pocket or around your wrist or whatever, and you pop it on. And so it wasn't a big deal at all. What about if you arrive in a little town and you want to go and have a coffee? Do you have to put a mask on to go into the coffee shop? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And if you're in the albergue, do you have to wear a mask? Well, it seems like the signs say that they want you to, but once you check in, nobody has a mask on inside. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and in, in the course of your 37 days, how many times do you think you had to show the passport to say that you were vaccinated? Once. Wow. I think only in Orison. Yeah. Wow. 
I think that's the only time. Okay, <laughs> golly, you've, every day in Australia, you've got to show it half a dozen times a day. Okay, there you go. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Okay. Given, as you said, it was busy between Saria and Santiago de Compostela, did you always get a bed? I did, but I was reserving a couple of days in advance oh, okay. because I, yeah, I kept hearing that it was getting tough to get beds, and so I was reserving because right. I didn't want that stress. Yeah, 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 yeah. What would you say if somebody is listening right now to us and they are, they've stumbled across the podcast and and they're thinking of walking? What would you say to them? Oh, I would say do it. I would say find your reason, and if you don't know your reason but you're called, follow the calling because there's something there for you and you'll find out what it is. Do you still reflect on your calling? Yeah, every day, every day. It's a part of me. Do you think that's because you do have this um, spiritual identity or do you think it, that kind of calling could resonate with anyone? Well, I think for me it's because I have this, I'm on this spiritual path, so it just it's, it's all the same thing for me. It's mm-hmm. all just part of my life. But I think somebody who's not necessarily on a path will still, if, if open to it, will still get a lot. And they may or may not call it a spiritual experience for them. But I think they'll, they have an opportunity to learn more about themselves and to open up their heart. So call it spiritual or not. Yes, I think it's available to everybody. And what's more, you're going to have a wonderful adventure and meet some yes. wonderful people, aren't you? Yeah. If you got nothing that you would call spiritual out of it, you will have a great time meeting people and challenging yourself. So just that alone is really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. And I often talk here on the podcast about slow tourism. You very rarely have the opportunity to visit another country and step by step take in their culture and the view yeah. and the different the different ways they do things and the different drinks in the drink machine and the different food in the vending <laughs> machines and the different carpet and the different road surfaces and the different park benches and absolutely everything is different from home. And yes. often you're on a, often you're in a car or a bus or a train or a plane or you're you're moving through very quickly and you might have a day somewhere and experience a little snapshot of the culture but then you go back to your people and you are there in a little envelope inside that culture but you're really able to immerse yourself on the Camino in the Spanish culture and experience it very slowly which is lovely. In that slowness, it's so much easier to absorb. And I think that's one of the great blessings that you can sit on the side of the road and chickens wander past and cattle wander past. (laughs) (laughs) And goats and And, sheep with their bells on. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you you come around the corner and you hear the cow bells and yeah. And you first hear them and then you get to the cows and then you walk away from the cows. So the cow bells might be with you for 15 minutes or something, but they're, you know, they're in, you're with the cows for 15 minutes. It might be just you, a bit of mud on the side of your shoes and you might slide a little bit, but you sort of <laughs> recapture your, your grip. But 
Given all of that, and I know that it hasn't even been a month since you've finished, how do you think you will describe the Camino to people who ask about it when you get home, when you get back to the US? I think I'll describe it in much the same way I've been saying that for, for me, it was a spiritual adventure and that it is, and as you were saying too, it is such a wonderful slow way to walk through a culture, a country, history, and to see the details and to be able to really sink deep into what you're experiencing rather than just looking at something and off to the next thing you go. Are there more Caminos ahead? (laughs) Well, when I got to Santiago, I was like, I'm done. That was awesome. One and done. (laughs) And then by the next day, I was like, well, maybe next year. (laughs) So I have no idea. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) How have you been able to um, reconcile I guess the the expectations of what you thought it would be like with what actually you experienced. Did it meet your expectations, exceed your expectations? Mm. Tell us about that balance of discovery. I'd say there was a mix of both. I was looking for it to provide some of the things that I've talked about. Um, it was, I will say, it was harder than I expected. I'm... I'm in good shape and fit, and I thought that walking that much that, yeah, it'd be a little painful and here and there a little tiring, but it was definitely harder than I thought, and I trained for it. So there was that part of it, but there was also, there's still all this revealing happening to me now a month later that I didn't expect, and so I don't know. I don't know what my expectations were now. I don't even remember. I just know that it's been worth it. Tell us a Camino story. Hmm. Well, one day before getting to Saria, I was walking with my friend Saul. We'd been walking a couple days together, having really great conversations. And we came across a Donativo area, which looked to be an old home of sorts, and they had a sign out front that said, pilgrims, come in, yoga, meditation, art. And of course, I went, oh, Saul, we have to stop here. And so we turn in, and we're the only ones in there. It was early morning. It was kind of misty and cloudy. And we turn in, and there's a table just laid with tons of food, just this abundance of fruit and hard-boiled eggs and breads and juices. And somebody came up and said, would you like a coffee? Sure. So he went away and made us some coffee back in their kitchen. And then another one of the men who runs it came up to us and we just looked at each other and there was like this, (laughs) I'm going to sound really yoga woo-woo right now, but there was this cosmic connection And as we looked at each other, and I just said, can I give you a hug? And he said, yes. And we hugged each other. And it was, if you're familiar with the term namaste, it means I see the light within you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it was this namaste moment where we just hugged each other. And at this point now, there are probably another dozen pilgrims standing around. And everybody went silent. And we just hugged. And this love was surrounding us. Not a romantic love 
just true, like pure love. Mm. And everybody went silent and just witnessed this. And then eventually when we sort of stepped back from each other, we just held a gaze and acknowledged each other's presence without words. And then we went back to drinking coffee and handing out fruit and, and everything else. And a few days later, I was walking and I met somebody, this woman, and she goes, oh, I know who you are. And I was like, well, you do? Have we met? And she goes, you were the hug person. I was there for that moment. That was so amazing. And that's the highlight <laughs> right there. Wow. <laughs> what a great story. Oh, man. Thank you. I really love that. I really love that. And I can hear it's it's still resonating with you. It's it moved. It's still moving you now. It is. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It was incredible. Those moments are really special, aren't they? Yes. Really, yes. really special. Yeah. And that's where the magic is. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the it. magic right totally, there. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And my last episode was my 250th and I was going back through ah. a, a stack of old podcasts and I, I don't know, I spent, I don't know, days and days listening to different podcasts. My friend Maggie Caffin was talking about thin spaces on the Camino and how she was sitting on a bench on beside the road in on the Masetta and she just felt that she could almost feel like she could reach through to the spirit world in this mm, thin space, yes. as she said. And... I know Maggie very well now. She's a, a great friend of mine and she's been here to my house for dinner. And 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 we talk about it and she says, oh, no, I, I'm telling you, it was a moment. I could mm. absolutely, I'm telling you, Dan, I, it was real. And uh, there are those real moments. There are those real magic episodes. There are those miracles. There's absolutely no question about it. And that's why we love it so much. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about some other things that I, I've seen you do. And tell us about Morocco. Ah. <laughs> well, this is kind of a magical moment too, because before I even left the United States to come traveling, I thought when I'm in Spain, I want to go to Morocco. That would be great. But I didn't want to go alone. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just let it Again, just see what happens. If people show up who are going to Morocco and invite me, I'll go. And that's what happened. Some pilgrim friends that I met, <laughs> we were all kind of talking here and there about wouldn't it be neat to go to Morocco, but it wasn't going to work for timing or whatever. And then just uh, three weeks ago, they reached out to me and they said, we're going. You want to go? They said, yes. How do I get there? What do I do? So uh, five of us met up in Malaga, Spain, and went, uh, we had to fly across because the ferry is closed now, but we flew to Morocco and one friend, Renee, she had figured out a whole itinerary for us and hired a driver because we weren't going to drive in Morocco. And we went all over the country in two weeks from Tangier to Chefchaouen to Rabat to Marrakesh, where I've just spent the last few days. And it was mind-blowing and such a different culture from Spain and so different to be on the Camino versus in the hubbub of Morocco. Wow. And uh, yeah, just incredible. And then, yeah, and then I took that picture that I posted <laughs> on my Facebook page of me walking through the, uh, not the Casbah, but through the Medina, the shopping area, the souk 
in Marrakesh, and it just reminded me of Martin Sheen and the end of the way. Yeah. And I thought, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, he, of course, uh, he adopts the... The, the travel spirit of his of his yes. of his late son, which is just so fantastic, and here's this sort of button down yeah. dentist who ends up wandering the streets of Marrakesh as a result of walking his Camino, and here you were. But I have to say, you know, I'm a bit of a stalker, and everybody knows it. Tell us about <laughs> sand surfing, because that was a that was an epic <laughs> face plant. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So one of the things we did is we did a desert experience where we actually went way out into the Sahara Desert, got out of the car onto camels and rode camels for a couple hours into a Berber uh, campsite. It was very luxurious, very nice. That is a whole big story on its own. But the sand surfing was so much fun. The next morning I got up and they have uh, snowboards out there and I'm from Colorado And so I'm used to skiing and things like that, but I've never skied on sand. And so we brought a board up to the top of a sand dune and just kept riding it down to the bottom. And yeah, I'm terrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) But they caught it on video, which is great. My friends caught it on video as I plummeted to the bottom of the sand. Yeah, you uh, did. You did. (laughs) It wasn't very graceful, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So here's, uh, here's, you've post Camino now, you're post Morocco, you're back in Spain. You, you, you mentioned that you had a few more months of, of this epic adventure ahead of you. But in a broader sense, what's next for Trinity? Yeah, that's the question. That's what I'm working with too. When I decided to do this big adventure trip, my question was what's next for me because I have given up my old business of kitchen designing and I'm looking to do something else and I want to make a difference in the world. So I'm traveling and letting it be revealed to me. I don't know what's next, but something's coming, something big. (laughs) That's kind of exciting though, right? It's very exciting. And I'm just, you know what it feels like? It feels like a blank canvas and I'm holding the paintbrush and I'm ready to go. I have a feeling though you've already started painting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you might right. you might only just be putting in the background colors, but you know the the, the, yeah. the washes across the back to frame what you eventually mm-hmm. end up painting. But I think you've definitely started. I think you're right. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> oh, there's definitely no question about it. Look, I've, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Trinity. I I, I want to say good luck with the journey ahead, and good luck finding the guiding light that light within mm. because i thank you after speaking with you i now know i in my script i have a sneaking suspicion but after talking to you i know that the light in trinity om glows brightly and oh. how else could this pan out than trinity an angel sitting down to sh- to watch a movie called my way <laughs> <laughs> right? Perfect. Yes. <laughs> right. How else could this? I mean, th- come on. Trinity and Angel, let's put on my way. I got a feeling it's going to lead you somewhere. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Walk on Pilgrim Thank- and Buen Camino. Thank you so much. Buen Camino. My guest this week was Trinity Om. You can find her blog on Facebook with the pack on my back. 
My friends Linny and Carl sent me a quote this week from Bruce Lee. From now on, drop all your burden of preconceived conclusions behind and open yourself to everything and everyone ahead. Remember, my friend, the usefulness of the cup is in its emptiness. Thanks again for your company this week and every week, and a very special thank you to my Patreon sponsors. And you can sponsor me by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere